Hello, water is wet. Okay, that's cool. Good to know. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Pineapple Headache with me and you. <laughs> that sounds like Blue's Clues. You know how it's like you, like you are a character and they're like, oh, hi, you. Yeah. Congrats, you are a character now, the audience. Yeah. It's me, Christiane, and my co-host, Madison, here to talk. Yeehaw. We're not going to talk about racism today. That's a surprise. That's a surprise. 25th anniversary of Pokemon happened. Yes, it did. Last week. Or over the weekend. Post Malone was there. Performing, he was there virtually. An he also animoji. has a new song. Yes, he he performs the animoji, and he also has a new song that's a cover of an old song by somebody else. But then he like sampled poke like old like Pokemon video game music in it. So it was like, wow, cool. And they announced new games. They announced they're remaking Diamond and Pearl. So all late nineties, early two thousands kids. We won. We got our Sinnoh remakes, and they're also making a whole new open world game that's like Breath of the Wild, like the Legend of Zelda game, but like Pokemon for the first time ever. So we won Sinnoh stands. Yes, and are you are you a big are you a big Pokemon fan, Madison? Okay, I would consider myself a moderate fan. Actually I'm a hater. Really? Digimon all the way. Yeah, you also Yu-Gi-Oh, like the blue eyes white dragon. I'm gonna be honest, I, you activated my trap card. I never think I never thought I would actually hear you utter those words, even if it were a joke. I'm being sarcastic. But okay, if we're gonna lean in that direction, sure. I'm being sarcastic. Yes, I think it's pretty obvious. I have an affinity for Pokemon. I have pretty much liked it for as long as I can remember being alive. Like, I think the only things that, like, only kind of, like, relationships in my life that would, like, predate mine with Pokemon would be, like, my immediate family, my family members who were all born, I don't know, before, like, 2003, and, like, two of my friends. And that's it. Everything, (laughs) everything else is, like, younger. Any... You, my friendship with you is a lot younger than my relationship with Pokemon. Like, Pikachu will just always have you beat in that regard, so. Well, yeah, of course. Our relationship is still the age of, like, a little kid, so. But with, po- Understandable. with Pikachu, uh, like, if my friendship with Pikachu was a child, it would probably be going to college by now, which that makes me feel old, but, you know, that's just life, I guess. But, so, yeah, Pikachu is 25 years old now. Oh, that's and, great. And we're getting new games. They're also remaking Pokemon Snap for anybody who liked the old camera, the photography Pokemon game for the Nintendo 64. That's coming out in April, so I will be starting my life as a Pokemon photographer influencer very shortly, so everybody get ready. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what if I started a whole Instagram? Because now they're making it since it's like social media. It's like they uh, they were saying in like the trailer they're like there's a photo and there's photo editing features in the games you can like basically visco your pokemon snap pictures on your switch and then like directly share it to social media so i was like wow are people gonna make like entire instagram accounts just being like here is my visco mon creation oh maybe snap 
I mean, I could see you do it. I mean, I'm just looking forward to like a bunch of pictures that I probably will get of just <laughs> I'm Pokemon. Get Pokemon living in their in their natural habitat, just doing doing their thing, living their life. So yeah, everybody get ready for that. But yeah, so I love Pokemon quite a lot. To answer the question, yeah. Um, and I only ask this because the topic of today's episode is going to be on just kind of media just like things that we like growing up that we still enjoy now and just as madison said like pokemon has been a thing for you since you were probably like 20 years now almost wait that's okay i'm only 23 so close to 20 because mm. it's like it's one of those things where it was like i have memories of like when I was starting school, like, kindergarten, first grade, like, kind of, like, definitely in first grade, I was, like, watching Pokemon. I was trying to convince family members to buy the games for me, but they were all, like, um, this seems a little advanced for you at six or seven years old. And then I remember, like, specifically when they had, like, this talking Pikachu plushie that looks so ugly, to be honest, but, like, that's just how old all the Pokemon toys looked back then. They did not look very cute. But I asked my- I made my mom before we were, before school one day- they had the, the commercial for it on TV, and it was, like, this commercial where it had the little Pikachu, and he was in the woods, and these kids were like, oh my god, it's Pikachu, and he talks, and you can, like, squeeze his hand, and he talks, and his cheeks light up, and then his ears move, and I was like, mother, come watch this right now. Mother. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I know we're getting ready to leave, but this is very important. I was like, come watch this, and then she did, and then she was like, okay, and then I was like, this is all I want, birthday, Christmas, this this yellow rat that talks yes and then on my birthday i remember my sister this was probably like my seventh birthday because i think i was in first grade and then so my sister who was like four at the time like because i made such a big deal for this pikachu plushie so my sister marley she was only four years old but she came up to me <laughs> right before i was gonna like on some at some point in my birthday before i had opened presents and she was like you're getting that Pikachu, like, that's in your presence. Like, she spoiled it for me. She was like, just so you know, this Pikachu is in your presence. And I was just like, cool. And I think my mom was kind of like, why are you telling her what's in her presence? <laughs> why are you spoiling it? But it's okay, because then I got him, and he still lives at my house to this day. And he can still talk, so he has survived. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, but so anyway, that was kind of a tangent. But childhood. Well, that's good. So, like, yeah, what about like for you. I don't know. I was gonna ask you another question. I was gonna ask you oh, a follow up oh. question. What's the well, follow up question? I was gonna say, how has your relationship with Pokemon like evolved as you've gotten older? Like, because oh, it is oh, a I, show that's catered to yes, children, right? I was, I was just gonna say you did something there. You said evolved. You did. Oh that. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, for anybody who doesn't know, Pokemon evolve. So. My yeah, knowledge of Pokemon was that I watched the show, like, a few times as a kid. So, like, I know, like, the very first, uh, was it, like, generation mm -hmm. of Pokemon. And I also, like, played up to, I think, Pokemon Diamond on the DS, right? Yeah. Yeah, that one was, that was the first one on the DS, so that was, like, a big deal. But Yeah. Yeah, well... I've definitely, like, I feel like because Pokemon's one of those things where it's, like, I, I, like, maybe when I was younger, I would kind of, like, go through phases where I wasn't as, like, yeah, I'm, like, so jazzed up about this right now, but also because, like, up until, like, the, maybe, like, the last five or so years, like, you know, there would only be one new Pokemon game, like, once every two or three years, so you, it was, like, you have to kind of go longer, like, waiting for stuff, and also because, like, 
Pokemon was really popular when it, like, first came out in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, but then for, like, the mid-2000s up until, like, you know, kind of the early 2010s, it was not that popular anymore. Like, I was usually, like, I would have, like, maybe one or two friends at a time who might also play it or might be kind of into it, but, like, I was always, like, basically the Pokemon person in every, like, like, school or social situation I was in. So, like, a lot of, like, the way I grew up loving Pokemon, I feel like, was a very just, like, individual experience, while, like, a lot of other people who, like, depending on how old they are, if they actually had friends that they were playing with it with and, like, trading and battling with their friends all the time, like, they might have this whole relationship relationship with it as, like, this thing you can do with friends, but I feel like for me it's just been, like, a, oh, this is just, like, my thing that I just, like, like on my own. And then as I was, like, a few years into me liking it so much, like, there was, like, because it wasn't that popular, there was not a lot of merchandise usually, but as I was growing up, that changed a lot because then stores like Hot Topic started coming around where you could actually, like, buy Pokemon clothes, which I, for a while, I the closest I could get to Pokemon stuff would be, like, a shirt in the boys section or something. And then, like, they started selling more plushies everywhere, so I got really into collecting the plushies and stuff, which everybody who knows me knows I'm still very into. I have many, but so I feel like toughed it out through these years where it was, like, you know, I, I could only get so much out of Pokemon because it would just be I could get a game and I could maybe get a shirt like and then I could just watch the anime and that was like it but now it's like you can literally buy all the merch you want you can order it directly from the official store online you can go places like much more easily to find people to play with you can play Pokemon Go with the whole world like you can do all these things and I feel like now like since I'm like that's just only strengthened my love for Pokemon because like I remember being like going through that time where it's like I have to put in a lot more effort to, like, seek it out and, like, participate in it and stuff and make it a part of my life. And now it's, like, just so much easier, which makes me so much happier, too. Because I'm just, like, yeah, like, Kid Me would be so happy about how popular it is now and just how much stuff there is. Like, the Happy Meal toys at, like, McDonald's this past month, despite the scalpers ruining it. Like, just stuff like that is, like, so much more common now and it's just, like, makes it so fun. And I feel like since so many, a lot of other adults who are, like, older than me, too, are still really into it because they grew up with it, too. So I feel like it's become less of, like, a just-for-kids thing and more of, like, a family or all-ages type thing where it's, like, Mm -hmm. anybody at any age can really get into it or, like, you know, you can get into it as a kid and, like, stick with it as you grow up and kind of grow up with it and stuff. So, yeah, I just feel like my love just grows stronger and stronger, which everybody around me, you just have to deal with that. You just have to deal with all the plushies. It is, like, such a long-standing like type of media franchise. just because it's yeah a franchise because yeah. it's just has it's it, not like it's just in like oh it's just a video game it's like yeah it's, it's like, like everything tv toys yeah and it's like the whole card the game highest, yeah it's actually the highest grossing media franchise in the entire world yes that it, it beat disney yes it beat star wars yes it beat hello kitty like it grosses it has i think it's grosses over like 100 billion dollars like annually because it just has so many forms now mm-hmm. and stuff so it's like yeah like obviously like i can't don't want to be bragging about capitalism but like i clearly picked the best capitalist franchise system <laughs> well like i also remember that back when we used to live together in our apartment um you had like i remember you used to put your monthly like pikachu 
yes boxes that you would get those yeah because my mom and i got really into collecting those and that was like another that's like another really fun thing about pokemon for me too is like since i was so into it as a kid and i just stuck with it for so long i feel like it's just also become like a part of my family in a way like because like with this whole recent mcdonald's like thing with the happy meals like i like living in socal like there's a bunch of scalpers here there's a bunch of collectors here so it very quickly became very hard to get any of the happy meal toys but and maybe it was also quarantine boredom but my parents were like yeah we have nothing else better to so let's just incorporate mcdonald's into our weekly diet and also get happy meals and collect the cards and stuff and that so like they also helped me collect a lot of the stuff like that or and like when we went to new york a couple years ago as a family like we went to the nintendo store and i was not the only one buying stuff there like my mom was buying pokemon plushies for herself she didn't even know their name she'd be like oh this this squirrel one looks cute so i will buy it for my own stuff and i was like yep cool like <laughs> so it's just like is a really fun just like something that i feel like my family has just also grown up with and stuff too but and then anyone who ever lives with me you're just that's if your interior design is just gonna be pokemon <laughs> that's just my influence will spread there have been um times when I've gone shopping with you and like we would go look at Pokemon plushies and like I have nothing yes. like I know nothing about like how well like when I look at a plushie and I'm like you're like that looks fake this is not like yeah. an actual authentic thing and I'm like looking at it and I'm like I I can't see it I can't I don't know oh my god when I was younger when I was like in middle school I would go on YouTube and I'd watch videos about like how to spot fake plushies specifically it was usually like for eBay and stuff too but like some of them it's a lot easier to tell in person but yeah you know I just really like finding finding interests that make me spend a lot of money so (laughs) now I have this cursed knowledge of looking at a plushie and being like hmm are you real usually the answer is no Okay, well, it just depends on the store. Like, if we're in, like, an eight, like, a, like, Target, like, the, like, the plushies they have at, like, Target and stuff are usually licensed through, like, American companies, so then those ones are usually pretty official, but, like, some of, like, the Asian cultural stores you go to, like, they had that one big one in the mall in Culver City. It had a weird Oh, name. it was, like, it was, like, but it had, like good a and evil, or, like, hope and <laughs> something. Good and evil? <laughs> I don't think there was evil in the title, but, yeah. It was, so- like, too... Like, Anton, like, they were, like, words that were opposite to each other or something like that. Yeah, something like that. But so, like, stuff in, like, stores like that where they just sell, like, random stuff and they just get it from all kinds of manufacturers and it's, like, you, it's usually not real. But, um, so there's everybody's plushy lesson of the day. Okay, so what would you, what is your, do you have something that's, like, a Pokemon for you? Uh, I don't know if it's, like... Oh, like, I've been in love with this entire franchise since, like, the beginning. But I feel like I've just gone through different phases in my life where I've just become so enthralled by it throughout time. Yes. Um, I don't even know where I begin. I feel like there's so many things to start with. Well, I guess I'll start with, like, the film that I've watched in childhood that has just influenced me a lot. Your favorite? my yeah my all-time favorite film because i feel like i have to talk about it since i watched it since yes. i was a little kid and you went so, to film school and you really you would say with your whole chest in film school be like this movie yeah once yes. i had once i had the confidence to say it <laughs> like i said it i did say it with my whole chest and i would get weird <laughs> looks at people but i like to 
yeah sure i guess <laughs> you're not like other girls well okay so my one of my all-time favorite movies is spy kids like the spy kids the movie from 2003 about the kids the cortezes and the whole spy family i just like i mean i when i was a little kid i was like oh my god like look at all these gadgets like look at these kids who are just a little bit older than me going to go save their parents from like some freaky looking thumb thumbs like the movie was just completely ridiculous but, but it's i think as i got with you yeah but it like not like i immediately felt the sense of like oh my gosh like this movie really moved me when i was a kid because i was like mm-hmm. i don't know like five years old when i watched it and i had it on vhs like for some time as I've gotten older, I started to empathize more with Carmen Cortez as a character because it's like, oh my gosh, she's like an older sister. I know what it's like to be the oldest sister, like, and to take care of your little younger siblings and all that. And Retweet. like, yeah, and she was just so like cool and like badass with what she did. And she did things like with her chest, like, she was like not afraid to do anything for the sake of her little brother. And I was like, oh my God. This is really cool. And um, so I've kind of just carried those feelings with me to the point where I used it in my dating profile. And that has pretty much been the catalyst. Yeah, I I put it in my dating profile that it's my favorite movie. And that has just kind of become the catalyst to the relationship that I have now. Like hook, line, and sinker. I don't know if that was the right order, but yes. But yeah, I don't know. It's just like... I feel like your favorite movie should be the ones that you have most connection with. And for me, it's like that. Because even if it is a movie with a bunch of like weird looking like figures and like creatures in this movie and everyone's being turned into floops, like monsters and all that throughout the whole thing. Like there is like this whole story about family and being transparent and honest with each other that I realized as I was growing up and like being in film school, I'm like, huh. There's some heavy themes actually addressed in this and like learning to become a family and like grow up because Carmen has her whole thing is like growing into this young woman. Junie has this whole thing about like what does it mean to be a man watching his dad grow up and Antonio Banderas sporting his weird mustache like there's just a lot of different like family dynamics growing like going on in the movie that I've started to realize now with my knowledge. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like, I also like respect Robert Rodriguez as a filmmaker more so in his earlier films because like, I feel like he knew what he wanted, the stories that he wanted to tell. And I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. I really like this. Did what he wanted. Yeah. And um, I like to describe this movie as like one of the reasons I might have wanted to go into storytelling because I think Carmen as a character has just been so, been such a big role model for me I guess I was growing up because like oh she doesn't like she's just this very strong character at the age of 12 just doing all these things and I'm like wow that's really cool I want to be able to do that too yes what so, about the other Spy Kids movies I also really like number two I think two has some messages in it I also had just like retweeted something the other day about Steve Buscemi's character, I know if you remember him, the weird kooky dude being like, um, something about, something very philosophical about like, why did God make us suffer in this world or something? And someone's like, why is this from Spy Kids too? 
And I'm like, well, why is why are you questioning it? Like, I definitely think Spy Kids 2 is actually a pretty good sequel and a pretty good movie and still kind of follows the whole thing of like family dynamics and stuff. Okay, wait, I was oh, so okay, so like Steve Buscemi's character says, do you ever think maybe God stays in heaven because he's afraid of what he's created? (laughs) I feel like I've seen this also brought up on Tumblr. Yeah, like this isn't Spy Kids. And I was like, inspiring. What an inspiring line from the mind of Robert. Well, that also, just because something's a kid's movie doesn't mean it can't have deep lines, too. Yeah. Let the, make the kids think, you know? Well, yeah, and it's also like, I mean, the whole thing with kids' movies is that you, of course, the whole the main thing is to entertain the kid because it's a kid's movie. But I feel like really good kids' movies are the ones that have a deeper message to them or the ones that I enjoyed had deeper messages to them because to this day I still enjoy them now yeah once I like had the confidence in film school to be like I love spy kids a lot of people had some looks to give me but it's like they're so judgy I know but it's like this is representation for me so I don't care what anyone thinks this is the movie that I enjoy this is the movie that influenced my life so I'm gonna roll with what i just said yeah also some film people just hate fun that's what i think i don't know it's just i don't know like i see myself well like i of course have like my artsy indie side when it comes to movies but i don't know i think i can also see myself writing like children's stories and like implementing kind of those deep meanings because i feel like a lot of the shows and like movies that i watched as a kid aside from living with the family that I have now I feel like have taught me a lot about family and how there are different kinds of family dynamics and like Mm -hmm. how people connect to each other so I don't know I enjoy looking at stories that are all about like oh when is it time to leave your family when is it time to like Mm -hmm. look for your next family and like talk about community and stuff so that's just my mo that's good though yeah, so that's my whole two cents on Spy Kids. I could go on to a whole thing. In fact, that's actually how I ended up getting my boyfriend. I literally had a whole conversation about Spy Kids. And then he just so fell clearly, in love. And that's clearly it. Clearly it's already getting That's places. how the story went. Yeah. Yeah. So like, maybe, I don't know. I could manif- manifest this, but one day, Robert Rodriguez might just knock on my door and be like, would you like to work for me? And I'll be like, yeah, I love your films. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I was gonna ask what uh, part of me was like, oh, what did he do most recently? And then I remembered the Shark Boy Lava Girl thingy. Well, he also made his, he made his We Could Be Heroes, which I did watch. And I was like, there's something missing about it that it's just not the same. Needs more spy kids. Just needs, there just wasn't, just didn't have as much. Kids who are spies. Yeah, I just didn't have as much heart as I would have wanted. And it's like, I feel like Pedro Pascal could have really done his role well if it was just a better written role. That's all my two Mm. senses for that movie. But yeah. Well, OG Shark Boy and Lava Girl, forever iconic. Mm hmm, forever iconic. In the, it belongs in the film registry because. It does. Even if it's like just because it's like a meme, like it doesn't like I feel like there's still a lot of value there. Well, because it's Cause like it's if like you're everybody, then it makes it very memorable. Yeah, because you're making if you're making a movie and it leaves a cultural impact, then obviously you did something right because people watched it yeah. and people still talk about it to this day. So all I have to say is great job to Robert yeah, and his son I for still writing remember, that. 
I still remember the words to the song that Shark Boy sings trying to make Max sleep. Like, why does that live in my head rent-free? But mm-hmm. it does. So that's just his influence. So I I have to give props to Robert Rodriguez because he has made such an impact on my life. And mm-hmm. I, uh, like, as a, as a filmmaker, I look up to him a lot as for his guerrilla filmmaking that he did with his earlier features. So wow. thank you. And he's also from Texas, so I also have to. Oh, team Texas. Credit that. But yeah, so um, I feel like that was like the movie that has really like moved me into a direction. But I also have other notable movies and media that mm-hmm. I just really enjoy. And also, I thought you would also enjoy because we both share a mutual we like have a lot for this of things, movie. There are like niche things that we both like. Like for okay. example, the the Annie nineteen ninety nine straight to home video movie adaptation by Disney yes. featuring Victor Garber, Audrey McDonald, Kristen Chenoweth. Yeah, like what was that? Why are we both? I and it so was obsessed? like that's the movie that we've like come to know all of these legends. Yeah, and we watch it also. We also watch it every still holiday that season. Movie. Yeah, and we do watch it every year because we have to. Like literally, my like my family still. My dad will still quote, "Oh, no babies allowed." Like the far <laughs> that she that um what's what's her face it was like, "Oh, we couldn't take Annie because we moved to the farm, no babies allowed." So that's why we left. Like, oh, Miss Hannigan. Yes, like it was just so iconic. And then it was also like there were just small like Sarah, little Sarah Hyland was there with the other orphan yeah, girls, and then so Lelaine was also there. So it's like okay, yeah, like it's just such a quotable movie, and it's just the songs are really good, which I guess is more just <laughs> speaks to the actual musical. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they were done well in the in the movie and then okay also i just have to mention since we're briefly on this topic that when my family was in new york my mom and my sister ran into victor garber at a cookie store and you know what my mom had to tell this man straight to his face she said my kids love you for annie of this all of the movies a renowned a renowned film career and she had to tell him straight to his face our family knows you or at least me and, me and my sister specifically know him best as daddy warbucks in the, the straight, straight to video, video movie adaptation yeah. of annie like titanic no uh i don't know what else he was in but like clearly like <laughs> i don't even know what else he was in uh legends of tomorrow i no, I mean, it's not one of his more notable roles, but sure. The only other one I can think of is Titanic, so that was why. So, he's just Daddy Warbucks to me. But, like, see, like, that is that movie's impact. Mm-hmm. Is it erased an entire man's actual film career for us? So we only knew him as Daddy as Warbucks. As Daddy Warbucks. Like, that is, clearly, that film also did something right. Yeah. Oh, and then um, you and I also share, like, a deep appreciation for this movie that isn't even like i don't know if it's even mentioned in his filmography but richard linklater's school of rock oh my god featuring jack black and miranda cosgrove yes that was literally so iconic another classic speechless another classic that was on dvd sitting on my family's dvd shelf for many years and watched many times yeah and it's like i don't know i feel like it's also one of those like early examples for me for the concept of like here's like your found family who is like actually there to support you and it's just a bunch of kids and this grown man 
playing rock and like jack black music. was really like the perfect casting for that mm-hmm. so that was very iconic of them and also obvi- and then like when miranda cosgrove went on to like drake and josh and like i carly and all that my dad would literally still call her summer because of school of rock <laughs> he'd be like oh there's summer and i was like megan or she's carly and he's like no that- that's summer see that movie's influence uh, and it's like gone on to do so many like they've gone on to make so many adaptations of that story. Oh, yeah, there was like a, a show. I think it's a show. It's a musical. Yeah, the, but I don't think anything can yeah, can compare to to Jack Black. Step off! Step off! Yeah. Step off! And like even I feel like even un- like I didn't understand what the man was like back then, but I feel like that was also the earliest like memory of me being told like oh like go against the man i was like who's the man who do you mean <laughs> i thought you were the gonna man? say i thought you were leading up saying oh yeah i didn't know much about jack black back then but no you were talking <laughs> about the man <laughs> but yes agreed that was every- baby's first ed- lesson about the man was i gonna okay and then yeah i also thought it would be worth mentioning because i know this is a big cornerstone of your childhood in my childhood, and I was just gonna talk in general about Disney Channel oh, yes. sitcom, <laughs> Disney Channel sitcoms. As you die, yes, as you just die. Yeah, bit, yeah. And I've recently been doing a binge of That's So Raven and also Wizards of Waverly Place, and I still think they hold up as really good sitcoms. I just feel like all the shows from back then just really hold up. Like they were just yeah. so iconic. I don't know. I think my favorite was probably Hannah Montana. I feel like those sitcoms that came out in the early 2000s, I'm pretty sure those sitcoms have like have like further spurred my appreciation and love for sitcoms if, as time has gone on. Yeah, especially multicam. Um, I feel like a lot of people like yeah they like look down upon multicam. But then you have shows like the One Day at a Time, like Netflix reboot that shows like it can be like it proves that it can be used like well and it can be done well. But even then, like I feel like with the Disney Channel sitcoms, even though they're kind of little kiddish, like they still work, and like they're still really yeah, enjoyable. they still work. And of course, since it's like children's content, like obviously it's gonna be a lot more lighthearted. But as I was rewatching a lot of That's So Raven episodes, I'm like, there are a lot of they still address a lot of issues yes. happening in like a pretty good way. Obviously, I didn't realize it as a kid because what do I know as like a ten year old? Mm-hmm. But watching That's So Raven and like seeing how they talk about like racism and like fat shaming and all that it's like oh oh i guess these are good messages that i should subliminally just like understand you're a kid you're just like oh. take in as a kid yeah because i feel like when i when i got older and i just i would like because i watched disney like just disney channel stuff in general for like a long time like far past like that target audience age and i feel like i never really got those messages from like stuff that came out later on because i mean even then that's not like every show and like that like back then like because like that so raven was like really good about doing stuff like that i don't really remember like you know like sweet life or hannah montana ever getting like that deep like on their side of it but like i feel like there wasn't even like the like you know the one show that gets deep like for a while on disney channel once those yeah. ended so tragic except andy mac yeah but rest in peace oh yeah but i think the thing with like disney channel sitcoms i guess any sitcom really in general and this goes back to what i think about spy kids but i feel like they've just further like developed my interest in like family Mm -hmm. stories because it's like that's basically all it was it's not like they had to address this like super serious issue it's like oh there's like some 
silly situation happening in the family and like here's how it's resolved and in the end it's like oh look the family comes closer together because of it yeah it's like very relatable and very like accessible to all ages like Mm -hmm. just the the situations the messaging the plots and stuff like i mean no like what kid is gonna relate to living the double life with a wig and being famous when you're wearing a wig like that like that's not realistic but like the core stuff of like miley's relationships with people and just like how she's just kind of coming into her own, like, even though it's because she's famous, like, just stuff like that, it was still, like, relatable to an extent. It just so happened to be part of it was because she's, like, Hannah Montana, but, like, it still felt like something I could, like, relate to as a kid and, like, really enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was, I had also talked to this about you earlier because I told you that I finished recently binging through Wizards of Waverly Place on Disney+. Mm Plus. And, like, I have to say, like, I really appreciate the world building of that show and, like, the themes that they want to present. Because, again, okay, like, the show's about a family of wizards. And, like, you have this whole thing of, like, these three siblings throughout the whole show are, like, learning and, like, gaining knowledge to be able to compete against each other to see who would be the family wizard. Like, that's such a strong, like, cornerstone for the world in this show and it presents a lot of like conflict and like sibling dynamics and tension that like eventually when you get to the ending of the show you're like oh my god like I don't know I feel conflicted on who I think should get these power should get all these powers because I really like all of these different characters and I've grown up with them like throughout the whole show so like Mm -hmm. at the end of it you're just like I don't want to see this family fall apart because of powers competing yeah, it was mm-hmm. just such a good, like, world-building thing. The world-building was just so good. I was just like, wow, like, somebody really went off. I don't know. I just feel like all of them yeah. were so, cre- like, even, like the concepts were just so interesting. Like, the whole concept of sweet life was, like, also kind of a lot. Just, like... Oh, like, two twin boys living in a hotel. But it's, like, and the reason they live in the hotel is because before that they were homeless living in their car with their single mom, but then the single mom got, like, a job at the hotel, so part of her, like, she negotiated to be in a, i don't know how much she gets paid on top of it but at the very least she has a place for them to live now and stuff like you know because there's like that whole like backstory to it and then they eventually like bring the dad onto the show and he was like in a band or something and that was why like they were divorced was because he wanted to like travel and live like the whole rock star life and then like the mom was like no i think kids need stability and then they ended up mm-hmm. homeless for a bit. Like, there was a lot going on there. Hannah Montana, I, I don't know how someone came up with that whole thing. Or, like... <laughs> I mean, it's just, I like, feel silly. like the whole thing of, like, oh, I have to keep this secret. And it's all about, like, trust and loyalty between yeah. the people that you consider to be your close friends. Like, I feel like that's a very yeah. big thing to deal with. Ooh, and I feel like especially, maybe now, like, the, like, just the whole thing of, like, because like I feel like the movie mostly goes into it, just, like, the whole thing of, like, when you're famous at a young age, then you kind of, like, grow up maybe being more entitled and stuff. I feel like maybe that's a little more relevant now that so many young people get famous through, like, being social oh, yeah, media uh-huh. influencers and all that. Like, mm-hmm. Maybe it's not, like, a secret like it is with Miley, but, like, you can be a social media influencer as a teen, like, famous on the internet, but then in real life you're just, like, a normal kid who goes to high school. So that's, like, kind of a double life thing. I don't know. Oh my god, what if they reboot Hannah Montana as, like, that? 
Oh my god, Disney, if you're doing that, you heard it here first. Please <laughs> hire me. I came up with the idea. I feel like also I'm just like really grateful for the media that I grew up around mm-hmm. just cuz like I feel like it did bring me good messages and all that. Yes. And like it's not just like sitcoms and like live action stuff. Like I feel like the animation that I grew up with has also been very influential on like the way that I see the world and the way that I think. Yes. For sure. Like um again yeah, Pokemon I mean, Pokemon watching Ash and also fail I have to, like mention all the time. What a humbling lesson. True, huh? My guy never wins anything. He's kind of a loser. Yeah. Well, I was also going to bring up cuz this was this was a whole thing recently because these two creators decided to open up their own studios and create their own content specifically of this world. I feel like I was one of the OG people who watched Avatar like mm. right when it came out. Mm-hmm. Like Avatar the Last Airbender, not the James Cameron not movies. The no. Blue people? no, no, I'm talking about the Nickelodeon. Why not the blue show. people? No. <laughs> Why would I watch that? I'm not gonna watch it as a kid. But uh I remember that because my mom used to work like night shifts when she was a nurse. So like me and my sisters would stay in our parents' rooms just because it was like helped us to be quiet and stuff. And so they would have a TV there. So I knew the channels, so like Disney Channel and like Nickelodeon and stuff. So when I would go on Nickelodeon and I saw Avatar, like the very first episode, I was like, oh, okay, well, let's watch it. Yes. And now here it is now on Netflix being a hit. And now the creators have made their own studios to make more stories set in the Avatar world. Yeah, and I feel like it and has like, like a whole new life now thanks to like the internet mm-hmm. and all that because now like – so many people are discovering it for the first time yeah i don't know i always like thought that people knew avatar the last airbender but as it was coming back i like it seemed like a lot of people hadn't really watched it so i was like oh i guess it's more of a niche thing than i thought but and like i remember like because i never got into the franchise but like i had friends who did and i would occasionally see an episode so i'd like like i was aware like aware of it and stuff when it was like on and all that and then, like, especially when it was, like, Legend of Korra time and just the way, like, that whole, I think, I remember, like, I had mm-hmm. friends who were watching it, so then I would hear about, like, just the ca- really chaotic, like, release schedule towards the end where yeah, it was, like, half I... online and stuff. Like, I feel like it was a little bit before it's time for that with the online part, but yeah. also just goes to show when a network is trying to kill your, sh- kill your show. And it was, like, a really good show. I, like, I really enjoyed Avatar for... Like, obviously, for me, Avatar is going to be, like, the best show, like, one of the best shows for me and also the better series. But I think Legend of Korra did a really good job with its own world building. And, of course, the creators went through their own struggles trying to distribute it and get it out. Yeah. And, like, they also, they also like, didn't know exactly how it would end, as you see in the last episode of season four. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it's still, like, I feel like there's a lot of politics that they deal with throughout both shows that I feel like you could apply, I feel like, critical theory to a lot of these concepts in these episodes. And it's like, I watched this when I was, like, a 10 to, like, 12-year-old. So, like, how am I supposed to know what all of this means? But... Again, it's like when I was a young kid, like, oh, like, I really appreciate the idea of a found family because you have all of these people from, like, different nations, from, like, yeah, from different nations coming together to go bring peace and save the world. Like, Mm -hmm. like, as simple as is that, but it's like you have all of these different conflicts and tensions coming to it. And, like, I'm going to say it, like, I do think Zuko is one of the best, like, 
like redemption arcs in cinematic history and TV and film. I also said that to my boyfriend, and that's how he fell in love with me. So (laughs) wow, so you really just met your match there, huh? Yeah. Well, it's like I don't know. It's like when you have a character turn from an enemy to a friend, like it's really satisfying to see because you, they really took the time to like let him realize what he did what Zuko did was wrong and like understand like where the error of his ways were coming from because like he was a pretty selfish character throughout half of the series and he had this like fun loving uncle who was like basically his conscience so where are you gonna go with that you know there's a lot of different intentions and like strengths coming from these different characters and I'm just like wow look at them all grown up at the end of the series and it's only been a year in their like in their lifespan but like it's been four seasons growing up with it so yeah and then they like also like they modernized it well kind of modernized it to bring it to a different era in Legend of Korra and the same thing you know they like Korra obviously goes through a lot she's been hurt a lot she's obviously fallen off a high pedestal like a high pedestal from the get-go I don't know what happened in season four but season three was so good it's like (laughs) spicy the antagonist just presented I think the antagonist presented a lot of moral dilemmas that really made me question life Mm -hmm. in general so it had that going for me Mm -hmm. anyway this is just my two cents that you should watch Avatar and Legend of Korra and you shouldn't compare the two and be like these two characters like obvi- like Aang is better than Korra because they're both different people that's just my whole thing go off good luck to the careers of Avatar I hope y'all don't rush through the process and I really hope you take the time to build your worlds would you want um to in see, whatever you're gonna make would you want to see them attempt another live action no because <laughs> also Netflix is doing their live action that's I honestly right. think that Live action is just not going to work for the story of Avatar because one of the things that I do enjoy about the show is the style of it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you make it live action, then you take away like a thing that really makes the show what it is. Mm-hmm. Some things I just prefer to keep in an animation style. Yeah, I feel that. And like stay to like graphic novels and stuff because like I like things to be. It's like you're when you're bending. Like, we all saw in the last Airbender movie and the flop that it was, like, (laughs) I guess they do have the CG technology to do it now, but there's just something nice seeing animation, like 2D animation, you know, especially in this day and age when everything wants to be 3D CGI. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, oh, which reminds, this is not exactly related to Avatar, but, because, like, talking about, like, how certain things just don't work when they're adapted to, like live action and stuff that just makes me think this is a book series but i feel like i can't talk about kid what i consumed as a kid without admitting to the fact that i was a warrior cats kid everybody yeah, booed she me was. now well it was more like i was a warrior cats middle schooler so i don't know if that's better oh or even worse. better yeah. <laughs> like i was old enough to be like oh yeah but like because the whole thing with like because i feel like with certain things like because with cartoons, I feel like the violence, you can get away with a lot more, too, without being as, like, mm-hmm. you don't have to follow all the same rules of how much an actual human body could take, and you don't have to, like, go that, like, graphic with it and stuff. Like, Warrior Cats has never been adapted to, like, a movie or a show. But, like, if you just go on YouTube and watch anybody's, like, fan-animated, like, adaptations of Warrior Cats, like, 
it's very graphic because the books are so graphic like i don't know how you could visually adapt that and keep it as for kids because it's very graphic and stuff but the books are really solid and i will stand by the argument that the sixth book of the warrior cat series which like the books are in sets of six um the first set of six books in the warrior cat series and especially the ending of the sixth book better than game of thrones same it's like it's like similar concept kind of roughly with better resolution (laughs) i mean a lot of people didn't like the game of thrones yeah well because firestar and Jon snow are like the same character (laughs) and i feel like firestar's ending and like where he ended as a character in the book in the sixth book is like so much better than where Jon snow ended also because like both franchises like with warriors it was like the whole first six books were specifically about this like power struggle thing and like by at the in the sixth book that kind of got blown out of the water by an external threat which is kind of what the whole thing with game of thrones is is there's like this internal power struggle between the people but there's also this external threat of like the the zombies that could attack at any moment so it's like i like with warrior cast what the resolution was it was like they kind of had to figure out like some iron out the whole power struggle thing to then overcome the external threat together but then Game of Thrones just kind of did away with the external threat and what this external threat that they've been hyping up since the opening ep- scene of the entire show. And they just kind of did away with it in one episode. And then they're like, okay, back to like our power drama. And I was just like, is this writing? I don't know. Yeah, so Warrior Cats is like better. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. Um, it's also when you read it and you realize it's like technically for kids, you might also be disturbed. But you know that's just how it is but cats are also cool in general so yeah well that's great (laughs) i don't even know how i feel about warrior cats because i feel like i never really like knew much about warrior cats until i became friends with you so (laughs) it's just it's like violent and gory but it's like entertaining but not like because you're you're not like you're enjoying the gore and stuff you're enjoying the story the the like relationships, the drama, the power mm-hmm. struggle, the ambitions, the secret attempts at a coup, like oh, like that kind of stuff is going on. It's just they're cats. So then it becomes for kids. Yeah. But very, very serious <laughs> things addressed in yeah, in the series. Through cats. And then kids read it and they either come out normal or they come out furries. I would like to think I came out normal. I am not a furry. Well, I don't think there were any indication of you being a furry so i think you're good i just just wanted to be on the record stating that in case anybody was wondering okay well i think that's the last thing we should end on (laughs) that madison is not a furry yes that is the moral of the story but um i don't know i feel like we should do another episode of this another day we never even talked about high school musical so yeah we are we didn't talk about high school musical i also wanted to talk about (laughs) oh yeah more disney channel Zanessa. Things coming your way in the next next time we talk about it. I also wanted to talk about my Doctor Who phase, but we'll save that, that for another that like time. Middle school or high school? Well, I guess we talked a lot about like, like little kid things today, so then we can get yeah. We, we talked about things like, that like I guess in the younger. Warrior Cats is a good transition because I was like in sixth grade, so like that's a nice mm. transitionary. I also got in. I also got into Percy Jackson in middle school, oh. so that's another thing to talk about later on. Yes. Wow. Like for a part two, as the kids say on TikTok. Yeah. 
obviously we've we've been obviously we've been like a part of a lot of different um we've absorbed a lot of different media and like stories throughout time so like i think it just makes sense why we are the way we are and why we chose homeschool the paths that we did yeah yeah so i can write the warrior cats movie adaptation that will be rated r (laughs) because it would have to be for that violence well i can't wait for that imagine if that was the thing that got you the oscar Please, I would literally die. Just be like, oh, nominated for best script. Screenplay. Is it, wait, is adaptation its own thing or no? Oh, wait, yeah. best. Oh, best I think that might be its own category. Warrior cats. <laughs> Please. What is Joe Biden's plan to get the Warrior Cats franchise an Oscar? <laughs> oh, my God. I really hope this is my career path. This well, okay. Well, now you've seen you've seen a preview of what could be the Warrior Cats movie adaptation yes. script. So, um, thank you for listening to another episode of Pineapple Headache. Was this a headache? The movie adaptation of Warrior Cats is a headache. I mean, yeah, just in itself. That would be a headache to figure out how to keep make it for kids, but we'll see. We'll see. All right. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. See you at the next headache. <laughs>